If everyone could please settle down, NR92's The Feed is about to start. Good afternoon, I'm your host Brandon with Nick for our third episode of The Feed this semester. Today we'll see how Nate might benefit from new apprenticeship funding, we learn about the issue of AI in the classroom, and we look ahead to a week of, event of events encouraging sustainability. But first... Nate's Board of Governors approved a tuition increase for 2023 and 2024. Nick Atkinson has more. Tuition for domestic students at Nate will increase in 126 programs, while four programs will see no increase in tuition. The increase in domestic tuition rates varies by program but ranges from 1.83% to 10%, averaging 5.5% across all programs. The Vice President of Nate, Peter Leclerc, speaks on what factors went into this increase in tuition. Under the tuition framework uh, by government, we're allowed to increase our tuition uh, up to Alberta Consumer Price Index, which was set at 5.5% uh, for the coming year. The athletics and recreation fee and the one at Nate and UPass support fee will increase by $16.60 for the fall and winter terms. The board also approved a new mandatory non-instructional fee for student technology starting in 2023 and 24 academic years. The mandatory non-instructional fee will be $30 for fall and winter terms, $15 for spring and summer terms, and $2 per week for apprenticeship students. Um, our government grants um, have not been keeping up with the cost of inflation that we're experiencing. Uh, so in order to maintain the services that we provide for students, uh, we've introduced the mandatory non-instructional fee. Financial support and flexible payment options are available for students who need assistance, and Nate will continue to provide resources for students to access financial aid. So the government has introduced some supports where they have uh, access to uh, bursaries and uh, funding for students that have challenges meeting those requirements. You know, and the bursaries are free money. And so when applying for student supports, those are available. Our, our teams will be available to help students to find those sources. Tuition and fees at Nate remain comparatively low within the Alberta post-secondary landscape. The Alberta government announced its 2023 budget. Part of that budget includes a large investment towards helping the classrooms of Nate's apprenticeship programs fill with new students. Joshua James reports. On March 7th, the Alberta government held a press conference at Nate to announce plans to invest significantly in apprenticeship learning in Alberta over the next three years as a part of its 2023 budget. Minister of Skilled Trades and Professions Casey Madu was on campus to make the announcement. Today, I am pleased to announce that if passed, Budget 2023 will boost funding for apprenticeship learning in Alberta by an additional $15 million over the next three years. This funding will support the creation of more than a thousand new seats for high-demand apprenticeship education programs, helping fill current and future workforce demands. 
As more Albertans retire from skilled labor jobs, the province has begun to see a shortage of skilled workers and an increased demand for apprenticeship learning opportunities. Student registration and apprenticeship programs in Alberta rose from just below 8,000 in 2020 to more than 15,600 in 2022. The $15 million increase in funding would raise the budget for apprenticeship learning grants to $42 million over the 2023-2024 school year. The Alberta government currently offers 47 designated trades apprenticeship education programs in the province. Post-secondary institutions that offer apprenticeship education programs, like Red Deer Polytechnic, SAIT, and NATE, will still need to request to receive their portion of the funding, with the Alberta government distributing the funds. When asked if he was confident there would be enough jobs for this increased interest in skilled trades, Minister Madhu didn't seem concerned about career opportunities for new apprentices. Our economy is going to be growing from all that I have seen so far. And so I am optimistic that these apprentices are going to have good paying jobs and fulfilling career in the skilled trades. At the moment, there are 22,000 seats in apprenticeship classroom instruction spread across 11 post-secondary institutions in Alberta. Reporting for NR92 in the feed, I'm Joshua James. Eat it up with the feed. As Josh's story mentioned, new government funding is boosting Nate's skilled trades program and the new money is already helping the program. Matthew Graham of NR92 reports. With the announcement of government funding of $42 billion towards education grants in Alberta, it's going to become a lot easier for students interested in a job in the trades to get off the waitlist and into the classroom. Matthew Lindbergh, Dean for the School of Skilled Trades at Nate, says this new funding and more to come will really benefit the program. Yeah, so there was a recent funding announcement as well uh, in order to support apprenticeship growth. And so we know that we're, uh, as a province, going to see $5 million per year over the next three years to help expand apprenticeship education in uh, trades that are in high demand. Uh, so we'll be continuing to monitor wait lists and make sure that we open up seats and apply for that funding um, as we see that demand uh, trickle through into each of our programs. An upcoming event here at Nate is looking to get more students interested in the trades. The event is called Nate's Next in Trades and is scheduled for March 18th at the Shaw Theatre from 9am to 3.30pm, with plans to not only increase enrollment, but also diversify it. Uh, we've also got two events that we're hosting, one uh, this coming Saturday on the 18th and another one on the 25th uh, that are focusing on uh, communities that are underrepresented in the trades. So uh, our panel members that uh, are going to open our day on Wednesday, sorry, on Saturday uh, are going to be coming from uh, black communities, from indigenous communities, from you know people of color. Uh, so it, it'll be a very unique opportunity for them to share their experiences and their story around how a trades career helped them make them successful. This event is a great opportunity for anyone interested in pursuing a career in the trades. Nate is known for its strong focus on trades education and the event will feature a variety of interactive demonstrations and presentations from experts in various trades. Attendees will have the chance to explore different career options, learn about apprenticeship programs, and even participate in hands-on activities. This event is a great way for people to get hands-on experience and learn more about the trades. Matthew Graham, NR92 News. Practicums are a big part of how someone learns the ins and outs of the business they've dedicated three semesters of on-campus learning to. Colton Hoppy of NR92 reports. April 27th is the official last day of classes on Nate campus for most programs. And for the RAPD students finishing their third semester, it comes with the talk of practicums. 
I caught up with a few TV students to find out the starting point in the first step of their journey towards becoming media professionals. I'm doing it in the summer. I'm going in the fall in September. Uh, I'm doing it in May. I'm doing my practicum in May. With their time set in stone for when they're heading to their placements, surely there must be a city that comes with it. I asked where they're headed for their practicums. So I'm going to CBC slash Radio Canada, which is the French side of the CBC, and my role there is going to be a video journalist. I'm going to be relocating to Kelowna, to Global Okanagan, and I'm going to be a video journalist there. So I'll be heading down to Toronto, Ontario. So I'm going to be heading down to TSN for their main sports center newsroom. I'm going to Global Okanagan in Kelowna, and I will be a video journalist. Learning from industry professionals can be a daunting task, but that's often undershadowed by other things to some, as the TV students gave their insight on what's on their mind with relocating. Biggest fear is the cost of living in Toronto. Honestly, probably the cost of living because BC is very high. I'm honestly not that worried about moving to a different market, but I am worried about paying to live in that expensive city and also to not know a lot of things so I'm gonna do a lot of things wrong and I'm gonna get a lot of hate for it until I'm better. It's definitely a pretty big company and uh, there's a lot of you know I don't want to say liabilities but there's definitely a lot of concern when it comes to getting things right getting information correct things like that so uh, definitely a bit of risk when it comes to that but apart from that just mostly excited. With the first steps of getting their media careers off the ground the sky's the limit for Nate's TV students this semester and it's only a matter of time until they grace your TV screen. Colton Hoppy, NR92 News. The radio industry continues to evolve in the wake of AI technology. Davis Herman reports. AI could soon play a key role in how radio stations operate. Stations around the world are beginning to incorporate AI into their broadcasts in different ways. Radio hosts can now use programs such as ChatGPT to generate on-air topics. Patrick Galenza, Radio and Television Chair, says that AI can be useful for certain tasks, but not all. AI is not going to necessarily move back or change what the I would say in a, in a lot of cases the current on-air community, getting out in the community and talking and doing things, it may take over some of the behind-the-scenes things that have already been done for the last 10 years. Last month, stations under Rogers Sports and Media began experimenting with a program called Radio GPT, which can both power an online stream as well as use AI-generated voices to deliver commercials, weather, and news as a few examples. Though programs like this make production and performance easier, Patrick says that the human side is what draws an audience. Radio for the last 15 years has been localizing, right? Satellite radio has been there. Companies have now done voice tracking, simulcast, all the different things. But they've still got people in locations because the people that listen want to see somebody and have some conversation up. So um, that personable part is still going on. The radio industry is just one small example of how the world is going to change over the next decade. Patrick says that in some ways it could be a change for the better. AI is here. AI is not going anywhere. So once again, the way that I would look at it is how can you enhance the learning opportunities? Though industries like this will always continue to try new things and evolve, 
We're still a long ways away before AI kills the radio star. Davis Herman, NR92 News. You're listening to The Feed. Concerns over safety on the Edmonton transit system are on the rise. A recent Ipsos poll revealed Edmontonians were the most fearful in the country of taking transit. NR92's Duncan Kilburn reports. Many people, especially students, use ETS. It has a daily ridership of over 200,000 people. But safety is becoming a rising issue, a sentiment that was echoed in those I asked. I don't feel safe, especially when I'm busing in like an empty bus route, something that's like relatively empty. As a woman of color in Edmonton, Alberta, I do not feel safe at all on the LRT. I have never felt safe in public transit. Um, The Edmonton transit system is definitely um, usable, but it's not uh, safe. Everyone had stories of what they had seen. I've been hollered at. I've witnessed people get in physical fights. I've witnessed people throw up on themselves in the bus. I have been explicitly offered meth. Because I have seen um, drug use, human feces at stations, and people threatening other people. For example, that one guy who pissed on the train, that was not very fun. That was like last week. Edmonton police recently confirmed that there was a 53% rise in violent calls on ETS between 2021 and 2022. I've witnessed people pull out knives in the transit center. A man tried to grab a woman, a woman uh, walking on the bus, and he just grabbed her from behind and yanked her off trying to kidnap her. It was unsuccessful, but... Frustration was another feeling brought up. I honestly have no idea what I'm supposed to do about, like, what the city's supposed to do about it, what us as individuals can do about it. The city is hoping to hire over 20 more peace officers by the fall. This has been Duncan Kilburn for NR92 News. British Columbia made history for women in Canada in the provincial budget decision late last month. NR92's Caitlin Pobersnick has more. April 1st marks a monumental day for the province next door. It is the first day that prescription contraception will be free for British Columbians. Tracy McIntosh, an Alberta mother who's had experience with prescription contraception, says that this is a step in the right direction for our country and will take pressure off of high demand services in their province. Somebody in BC is paying attention to the needs of women, especially in this day and age. It should be an easy thing to get contraception and Charging people, especially those without benefits, is not going to help the healthcare system because there are lots of reasons why women need to be on the pill or other contraception and it's going to cost less by giving free pills than it would to provide healthcare to people who are not able to afford to be on contraception. Copper and hormonal IUDs, hormone injections, hormone implants, and oral contraceptions, better known as the pill, are some of the options being given for free. And although not all contraceptions fall under this new provincial budget, it still gives women a wide variety to choose from. Well, I think knowing that they are able to get free options in BC allows them to have less stress about what kind of birth control they're going to use. They don't have to rely on boys using condoms. They can actually go get prescriptions. They can also um, deal with other health issues that they may have that the pill or other contraception may help with. 
and not have to have the stress of how they're going to afford to do that or what happens if they can't afford to do that and have to stop taking something because they have to choose between eating or McIntosh hopes this is the tip of the iceberg for women's health rights in the country and that BC's decision influences others to follow suit. Hopefully making other people realize the benefits of providing free contraception to start with, but other places do things like they provide menstrual products and other such things for free, which men don't have to worry about. There are so many expenses that women have that men don't, so it's good to see that somebody's paying attention and trying to make life easier for half the population. Caitlin Pobersnick, NR92 News. Nate's Pride Week happened last week with cool and supportive events for Nate's community. And our 92's Mickey Gore reports. Last week, Nate had its Pride Week celebration. The week was filled with events like a drag show and rainbow cupcakes. Pride at Nate helped put on these events with the help of Diversity and Inclusivity Department of Nate. The drag show was the main event of the week. Kira Kromka, the president of the Pride at Nate Club, shared their experience with how she thought the week went. With exciting progress, the club has made with this year's Pride Week. A lot of people had a lot planned. We were actually more prepared this year than like years before. We were we built a committee, so we had Nate staff, we had Nate and then we had the club like meeting every uh, two weeks to like figure out the plan, what we need, what the budget was. The events, including the drag show that happened, had great reviews. Kira talked to me about why the drag show was her favorite and how the event involved more of the Nate community. Like one of the drag queens that we have works at Nate. Um, and she is like I've only met her like this uh, properly this year Um, but supporting the drag show being there like it's a great time but also you're supporting like Nate uh, people as well the week was a hit a major part of the pride week was the safe space this was a room designated to be a quieter room and a place for students and staff alike to come and relax without fear of judgment the activities in the space was topic discussions, arts and crafts, and even a special day for a makeup tutorial. One of the most important events that uh, was planned was on Thursday. We had a guest come in and do a little makeup session. And that one we had at least like 20 people uh, in the space like for the entirety of the day. Pride Week boded well with Nate students and staff, and the week kicked off its final night with a retro queer prom held at the Citadel Theatre with music and drag shows. The Queer Prom was put on by Nate along with the partnering Northside schools like McEwen, King's College, and Concordia. As the world focuses more on sustainable living and greener life choices, Nate'sa has stepped up with a week of events centered around sustainability. Veld has more on the story. Nate'sa has many events planned throughout the semester. Next week is Sustainability Week focused on sustainable living. I asked a few students around Nate their thoughts on this series of events. I wasn't even aware that we had something like that. I saw a few on Ook's Life and actually how to grow herbs has really intrigued me because I love to cook. I also asked these students what they thought Nate could do in the future to be more sustainable. I've heard about one of the few things, the Enactus Nate thing. They, they kind of work on sustainable businesses and stuff like that. So that's the only thing I've heard about and I know that Nate is working towards. I think it would be really cool if the culinary programs had, you know, a garden in the back for all of their items. So when they're cooking and doing stuff, 
It would be cool if they grew their items throughout the summer and used them in their cooking. Bring back the plastic straws, but the ones that are biodegradable. Not the ones that biodegrade as you're using them, but the ones that biodegrade over time. I feel like we could do better as a campus. Overall, it sounds like this is a step in the right direction for a greener Nate, both on behalf of students and Nate in general. I'm Vil, reporting with NR92. You're listening to The Feed. Here at NR92, we like to give back when we can. Starting March 27th, we will be supporting the Nates of Food Center. Presley Cuthbertson has more. NR92 Cares Week is back, and this time we are supporting an on-campus organization. The Nates of Food Center is responsible for the hamper program for anyone who is in need of some extra help. Donations is how they do this, and although the hamper program is running smoothly, they can always use more donations to fill more baskets. I spoke with Jesse Birchinall, Service Hub Coordinator and Food Center Specialist, about what kinds of donations they accept. Basically what we do fill most of our hampers with is anything non-perishable. So we don't accept anything perishable, um, but those items would include like beans, dried rice, pasta, um, like canned fruits and vegetables, peanut butter, um, cereal, pancake mix, um, granola bars like Mr. Noodles, but something that's like uh, we love to get especially are like peanut butter. It's kind of a little more expensive or like the canned fruit. It's a little more expensive. You know, things like that um, are great. With the economy the way it is and living on a student budget, more people are turning to the food hampers as a means to get food and fill up their pantries like this year has been our like highest year for food hamper usage um, and maybe it's from students like being more on campus now that things have gone a little bit more back to how they used to be. A lot of work goes into getting donations. Food drives are just one of the ways Jesse brings in non-perishable items. Um, on average it really varies like you know some days I'll randomly just get a student or a staff that will come in and just out of the kindness of their heart want to donate something. Um, and then other times I'm like running a food drive, so then I kind of get more that way. If you or someone you know would like to donate, go to natesa.ca forward slash food center for more information on food drives and where to bring donations. Don't let hunger be a barrier to education. This has been Presley Cuthbertson with NR92. Thanks for joining us today. We're working on news stories for our final show of the semester, March 31st. This is Brandon with Nick Fatta for this week's edition of The Feed. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on NR92 Sunday night at 7.30 or find it on NR92 SoundCloud.